What's going on, everybody? This is James Grandmaster Facts Boys, and you're here for another episode of the Facts Project. Today, special guest, repeat guest, always happy to have him, TJ Sterling here live. We haven't had him since Shattered Vision. We're here to talk about Joystick Angels Volumes 2 and 3. Thank you for being here again. Yo, man, super excited to be back. It's my boy, Grandmaster Facts. You know, the LSCs are in the building, you know what I'm saying? The Lights <laughs> oh, Coalition. Man. <laughs> we're here you know what i'm saying we talk y'all need to listen baby you know what i'm saying see um, all the bright the, the shiny you know what i mean <laughs> we yeah. won't incorporate any beige rage during this episode so <laughs> this will be this will be a good time so once yo it's been a year we haven't talked to since uh shadow visions with you and newton lillevoir you know yes, and in that meantime I think you put out Okamas Dark History just a little bit before that or a little bit after that. I'm not too sure. And mm -hmm. we we talked about uh, Joystick Angels. You and your brother incorporating this Star Fox, uh, Darius Twin type, Star Hawks ass uh, comic book that you basically compile with a lot of teenage teenage heroes, put them all in ships and pretty much went to battle. But the thing is, of course, there's, there's this story, the message behind the story that basically like brings us to where it's at. And it, it ended with this ultimate climax. So once again, just bringing us here to issue two and three, where are we at right now? Yeah, that's a great question, man. Um, Shoot. So everybody who's watching who hasn't uh, had a chance to check out some of the stuff that I do again, my name is TJ Sterling. I'm the uh, CEO and creative director at Ray Comics. I'm also a writer and an artist. Um, I started my career in comics working for Marvel. I did some stuff for DC Dark Horse and Aspen Comics. But really, my love is telling my own stories. You know what I'm saying? Telling stories for people that look like us, you know, underrepresented characters in diverse situations, uh, fantasy, sci-fi, cyberpunk, you know, you name it, where every genre we're trying to touch. And uh, my first comic book series, Okamas, was the one that we, you know, originally talked about on the Facts Project many, many years ago. He's got every single uh, single issue that's ever oh, come man. out. Look at that, blad out. Every single cover ever made. And um, yeah, you know, after we did Okamas, I really wanted to branch out and do some different. Man, I really wanted to get into, you know, cyberpunk, space opera, and and just just do something different. And that's really where this idea of joystick angels comes from is this what, what do we are what are we missing what do we not see enough of we see we don't in my mind it's like we don't see enough black children or black characters in space doing cool stuff you know what i'm saying not yeah. they don't got to have superpowers they don't got to be aliens they just have to be like human beings that live in space and they just have to be brilliant young black children using their brain for good you know what i'm saying but Joystick Angels, all ages space opera, these five young black space pilots are trying to save the universe from an evil alien empire. So if you guys like Guardians, you know, the Galaxy, Star Wars, Star Trek, you're going to like this, but it's just for people that look like us in it. You know what I mean? Um, issue one dropped in 2021. Um, it was a massive success. And we kind of did something different. We threw a soundtrack in right. with the book. You know what I mean? Like not many indie comic books you're ever going to see have a soundtrack with them but we want to really give you guys not just a comic book experience but an immersive and i mean we didn't want to just give you a comic book we wanted to give you an immersive experience as a whole you know yeah. what i mean so when you read a comic book you're listening to the music and it's just basically bringing you into the world of joystick angels and um 
That brings me to your next question about where we're at. So at the end of issue one, we left on a crazy cliffhanger where one of the main characters was like insanely injured. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, which... dismembered, dismembered, <laughs> dismembered. That's correct. Uh, that's, it sounds like a horror movie, but yeah. there's no horror in it, guys. It's it, it's um. so one of the main characters. Yes, she lost her um, leg. Spoiler alert um, at the end of issue one. And um you know, the main, the, the guy who, who was essentially the leader of the team, Fox, decided to, you know, resign. hand in his badge and yeah. resign and says, look, I'm not ready to lead a team. Like, I'm I just, I'm not ready. So at issue two, we pick up exactly where that leaves off, but it's three months. It's about, say, maybe six months later. And yeah. six months later, all the characters essentially are the team. The angels are still disbanded. They're not a group anymore, but they still are kind of individually refining themselves, whether yeah. it's, you know, using their brains or they're kind of like doing some danger room shit and just like, you know, testing it out and like figuring out how to be a better fighter. Um, you know, you could see some people are experimenting more with robotics and other people's relationships are starting to blossom a little bit. So yep. individually, they're still doing their thing. But like a distress call comes in to the Libor space station, which is the last human colony where everybody lives at in deep space. And basically, the Ukaria have attacked one of their outposts, one of their last outposts, outposts that humans are essentially, you know, living on. So basically, all hands are on deck. The entire Libor Space Force has to answer this call. And it's like, okay, how do we save these people in time and, you know, basically stop the Ukaria from taking over all, everything? So last-ish effort, the angels actually get back together. And to stop this threat, this menace. And that's where the story kind of starts with issue number two. Yeah, because our guy, all right. So to introduce the characters, you got Damien, you got Lexi, you got Cassandra, you got uh Andrew, and you got Aisha. And better yet, you known as Fox, Deuce, Tank, Dragonetti, and Legs. Um yep. with, with them all being disbanded, I mean, Fox is the only one that's kind of like the loner, but he's also known as the leader of the crew, where everybody pretty much picks up their own personal buddy system in this second issue. Uh, what is it? I, I think um was it uh is it Tank and uh Dragon Eddie? They start to like link up and everything like that, and yep. then uh, Deuce and Legs start to link up, but more so, I guess all in all, it's kind of like a Starship Trooper scenario. The Eucaria are just invading everything. This is the last human colony. So they've yeah. wiped out pretty much half the universe in a takeover fashion. And this last human colony with these super badass kids are just training themselves up for the next level. But it, it, ultimately, it, it's, it all depends on Fox. If he's going to get right or not. Yeah. Yeah, without a good leader, man, it's it's just, you know, it's hard to even, you know, fathom, like, what what could you, without a good leader, what could you do? Because, I mean, not everybody is is leads. Not everybody is the master of their destiny. A lot of people are just kind of, like, attached to a bigger vision or a bigger project or a group, whatever it may be. And, you know, everyone needs that head of the table that kind of, like, guides the ship. And without that, like, you know, a lot of folks could be lost. And I think Fox kind of realizes that you know his error in judgment and his brash you know kind of like cocky arrogance you know just took him you know and his, his desire to win and be number one you know took him to this point where he made a bad decision in the last issue and now he has to he's on a mission to never make a bad decision like that again to never let anyone down ever again so for him 
he's training extra hard. You see him at the beginning of the issue, issue one, two, just kind of, again, going through the motions, fighting drones and, you know, I'm saying going through drills and just like really training his mind to like evolve to the next level, you know, to just be prepared to stay ready. You know what I'm saying? So um, I think he takes it so seriously. And, you know, at the end of issue two, we kind of see like what, like one of the worst case scenarios could potentially happen even more worse than the first one. Yeah. Um, You know, happens at the end of issue two and literally, you know, they're they're back together but now who's going to lead lead them and fox is really that guy you know right and in in a i like where you're going where basically issue three morpheo who has played like a kind of like a pseudo mentor type to the whole crew and you can tell this is the last human colony so pretty much he's had a lasting effect on probably fox and maybe the others but essentially, I know from what I read that you in your summary about uh, issue three, Morpheo was kind of like a failed leader himself to where, like, I'm training these kids up to accomplish something that I was unable to do. Yeah, see, more, and that's a that's an absolutely great way to put it, because Morpheo himself is literally a... Um, how do I say it? So in issue three, we essentially kind of like rewind the tape. Right. Kind of give you guys a little bit of a pause. So like issue one and two are consecutive. And then once we get into four five and six, we'll eventually get back to the main story. But we kind of wanted to give you guys a little bit of a um, history and a background of who the cavalry was and who Morpheo was and why his role is so important. So we actually see Morpheo in issue three as a young lieutenant before he becomes the supreme commander of the entire Libor Space Force. Mm-hmm. And essentially he's on like a last ditch mission to kind of figure out what these rogue scientists are doing in deep space. And they just happen to be experimenting with Eukaryan DNA and doing all kinds of stuff. Now, again, I don't want to ruin it by saying too much, but I will I- say though that there's some rogue scientists and a young cavalry group, which we're introduced to at the end of issue two, is mm. there to basically assist him. So he's kind of, again, um, I think we end up realizing that Morpheo is better at, um, you know, kind of like pulling the puppet strings and helping people realize the potential and leading that part. But it's going to take um, a younger generation of people um, to really, you know, make this happen. It's kind of like some Ender's Game type shit. So right, right. can't necessarily rely on the adults to do anything except you know, build some stuff. And then the young kids got to be used their their brilliance, their that that fresh intellect to uh to handle it. Man, look now, and I noticed because you did this before with Okamist and Dark History, like you've had opportunities where the story has led to like these dramatic climaxes, and you've had the actual like persistence to just pull back, be like, hold up, there's more to this story than what you guys are doing. So like to to actually like provide us with this backdrop of how Morpheo came to be and pretty much showcasing exactly who the, who he is and pretty much who Fox could become in essence. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you have to like, my biggest thing too, is just like, you know, what, what are we not taught as kids, as young, as young black men, you know what I mean? Like a lot of times I feel like young black men, we're not necessarily taught, all the necessary skills to be lit to be leaders. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, a lot of it's hey, you know, you you go to school, you get a good job. And like, you know, I was 
watching this story from this this dude who's uh, his brother out of um i think he's out of maryland maybe and he you know he's got like a whole bunch of companies he makes like on average 8.7 million a year and he's like yeah you know when you go to school school college all these things are meant to teach you how to be an employee where when you build your own business and you figure out a system that works for you and your personality then you're becoming a boss and i think you know a lot of us aren't taught how to be bosses or even you know it's true that it's not passed down like almost immediately unless your parents are you know are very well well versed in business or real estate or whatever it may be like you learn it from people who have that gene so i think for fox and a lot of kids within the libor space station they're essentially need strong black male father figures and that's what morpheo is so we get a little just look into that world of mm -hmm. what he's had to deal with but also you know it kind of puts you in, into this, this spot like okay it's a militaristic society how do we how do these characters you know reach their full potential like what is their role and how where are they going to fall when they become adults yeah so i just like this idea of pushing them because you know I just think that, you know, uh, it, without the only way to really become great is you have to go through some trial and tribulations and some hard stuff. Right. And even in the event of a lot of trauma at the end of issue one, we we don't see the next page. So it's almost, you know, Fox wants to quit. Like, quit, quit. Like, I'm just going to stay here on the space station and I'm just going to live aimlessly. Why? Because, and, and I pretty much got to, like, come to the realization that somebody who is impactful in my life is literally no longer themselves physically or emotionally because of my actions. So it's like, how can I learn from that? Yep. Yeah. It, it reminds me a lot of uh, that scene in Top Gun when um, Goose, Goose ends up getting killed because, um, you know, because that failed mechanical issue, but Tom Cruise character Maverick blamed himself yeah. and when you watch the new top top gun movie that that spirit or that ghost of goose in that whole situation yeah. bleeds into the storyline so um thankfully leg's character and the person who gets who who does go through this traumatic situation is um is not pat isn't gone isn't dead but her mm -hmm. life is absolutely changed and you know i think what we're gonna see within the next few issues is just how um like how 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 that change affects the team, how it affects her life, and what you know her role becomes. And I think it's really going to be exciting for people to see like issue four, five, and six, and mm -hmm. what we're going to be able to do because each character is going to have to step up and do something different. You know what I mean? And be be more than what they are. Word. Now I, I like the analogy with Top Gun because basically at the end of that, even though even though Maverick wanted to quit, Iceman, his biggest rival was the one. Nah, nah, you're the best. And he was like, bro, I've been trying to beat you like my entire my entire military career. You telling me I'm the best? They're like, I don't know how I can accept this right now, but it's, it's fine. <laughs> I'll, I'll come to pass. Thanks. You know what I'm saying? But uh, essentially, even in the even in the task of putting this together, um, you talked about it earlier. Of course, Joystick Angels came with a more sonic experience than anything. So the incorporation of your brother who's been able to do a lot of engineering and a lot of producing uh, in the past and in, and pretty much adding him to this project and be like, you know what? Not only do I want you to be a part of this experience and how I basically put this story together, but I want you to be literally the soundtrack, the theme music to the entire pathway of the angels. How does that come to be? 
Yeah, it's I love I love at, when people ask me this question because you know what you got to think about is is just inspired thought and creativity. You know, I heard this quote or I heard this this no, it was more like advice, um, and I can't remember who said it. I think it was like an actor, or somebody who was a visual creative. You know what I'm saying? And they basically said, once you have inspired creativity, act on it immediately, and it really stuck with me. It's thanked deep into my soul as, as a young man when I heard this, because I'm like, man, I got creative ideas all the fucking time. Like I got them like in spades. Like I got tons of ideas. So that doesn't necessarily make every single idea good, but the one that is inspired and that you can feel in your soul that you have to do, like, I have to tell the story. I have to get this out. It has to be something that is, you know, it has to come to fruition. I have to plant the seed so I can get some fruit out of the situation that type of creativity, if you don't act on it, it just floats away in the universe and then someone else can like basically latch onto it. Yeah. So we come out with Joystick Angels and then, you know, immediately I get all these DMs from other black creators like, oh man, I've been thinking about doing a black space opera forever, blah, 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 blah. You know, you beat me to it, you know what I'm saying? Like this whole vibe. But I'm just saying like, it could have been, it's anybody's game when you talk about comics and these things. Yeah. So, um that inspired creativity that I'm that I'm talking about literally occurred over over like a meal. You know what I mean? Me and my brother were living together. We were cooking dinner, chatting about the comic book industry. My brother, you know, grew up with me going to the comic book shop. His favorite book is Spawn. Lo, he's a he's a fictionado. He loves comics. He loves supporting a lot of black indie books and shit that's just different. Yeah. So the cool thing about him is that he's got the eye you know, for the arts. And for me, because I grew up a lot up around a lot of mu musical people, like my brother and a lot of the, the the kids I grew up with on the block, like a lot of these kids were rappers or singers or, mm. you know, drummers or artists or beat makers, whatever. So I grew up around all these people and I had the ear for what made sense musically for, for a lot of stuff. So I'm a big hip hop fan. I'm a big aficionado of every genre of every um, time period in hip hop. But I was like, we're sitting there talking like, so what's really the comic book industry missing? What's what hasn't been done yet? Right. What have we have, have we not seen in black indie comics yet? OK, so black folks in space, you know, what I'm saying a space opera on some yeah. Gardens of the Galaxy shit with a little bit of Star Trek and Star Wars mixed in there. But also that means if it's on that tip, then it, there's got to be music with it has to be. So my brother, That's how Guardians was. Yeah. Yeah, very musically driven. And again, like, it wasn't like, hey, we watched Guardians and went and made this book. No, nah, it was very much like, hey, that was kind of in the very, very far back of our mind of the stuff that we liked. But right, right, right. this we, we're making this, I think, right a little bit after Guardians 1 came out. So it really, I think Guardians 2 has really got a super popular. And then Guardians 3 sealed the deal, obviously. But um, with Joystick, I was like, bro, like, Spencer, J. Spencer Sterling of Mint Music is a creative genius when it comes to storytelling with sound. You know, even if you listen to his hip hop records or his EDM records or his house records, whatever he's produced, a lot of them have just interesting emotional cadences that kind of take you through a journey of feeling, whether it's sad or up or hype or lit, whatever it might be. You go through all these journeys with him while you're um, listening to the music. So it kind of just, again, puts you in a place that is very, very emotional. And, and again, 
sonically driven. So I was like, bro, you're the only person that makes sense to make the music for this book because, and the cool thing too, he had already kind of had um, some experience doing sonic stuff for other comics before, even before he really? did Ship of Mine. Yeah, so he did um, a theme song for a comic a comic book called Sandstorm. And mm -hmm. Sandstorm is a book that's written and illustrated by a Black woman uh, writer artist by the name of Rashida uh, Lewis. And mm -hmm. Rashida is a mother of four kids, lives in Pennsylvania. Um, her and her husband um, uh, have been married for, I think, maybe 25 years. And she was one of the very first ladies who mentored me and said, hey, you know, if you want to make comics, like you have to save this amount of money, you know what I'm saying? You got to try doing this and, you know, you got to you gotta make these types of connections and go to cons and build like she was. So it was really, you know, and see, my philosophy is just listen to black women. You know what I mean? Like if you got if you strong black women, if you got good, strong black women in your circle, whether they're working with you in your business, whether it's your mom or your sister or your auntie, whoever it may be. And if they're speaking good stuff, life into you, just listen to them and take that advice. So Rashid is talking, I'm listening. And years and years later, she recognizes my brother's talent and said, hey, do you want to do a soundtrack for my comic book? So he did that for hers. And that's where it all began. And then um, he also did a theme song for uh, Beautiful Soldiers, the mm -hmm. book by LaShawn Colvin, you know, rest in peace yeah. to LaShawn. So he did the whole, like, you know, sound, well, it wasn't really a soundtrack. It was just a theme song for the Beautiful Soldiers comic book that was on her Kickstarter that I think she did like 18 or 20 K on it or something like that. So he already had experience doing the shit way before I even asked him. So he kind of already had cut his teeth and figured out how to like make something to like work with a comic book and, you know, just think about the characters and the essence of who they were and, you know, maybe create a sound that like gives you the vibe of yeah. like a whole project. So he was already doing it, which was really, really dope. So yeah. Um, and I was just gonna say, um, that's kind of how it all how it came to be. Yeah, no, no. Look, when when I got the soundtrack for the very first one, I'm sitting there think, thinking to myself, I got the I got the comic book, and I now have the CD. So I was like, all right, if there's a way for me to like get a listening time for the CD while I'm reading the book, and I was like, how fast can I? Uh, how fast should I go? And I'm like, okay. It's probably like a, a, a good a good amount of time, maybe around like 20, 26 pages to where I could like get through this. But the thing is, you know, you, you can go at your own pace and you can pretty much feel as though as you're reading it, be like, OK, I know where I'm at. I'm I'm, I'm literally like feeling it. The parts where basically like I'm in the middle of uh, I think it's the latter pages where the angels are pretty much battling the Eucharist for the very first time. And I'm like, it actually the climax started to build and I'm like, Oh shit. Yep. <laughs> so, so you can tell like, like, you know, you, your brother was actually like paying attention to the parts where he needed to add more emotional value to where it was heightened in a sense, which was cool. As That's shit. correct. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like I said, he understands the cadence and, and cause I mean, that's just, it's story beats along with musical beats. Like they're literally just laid on top of each other. And um, we discussing that too, because it's like, okay, how does it feel? Like, because he'll make a track or he'll make something. He's like, yo, this kind of feels like Fox or this feels like, you know, Eucaria. This one feels like, you know, Libor because it's the military, military society. And what's really dope too is that 
for issue two and three of Joystick, we get two brand new soundtracks of different music, of different yeah. sonics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like literally anybody who goes to the campaign, www.joystickangels.com, takes you right to Kickstarter. You're going to see we've got physical and digital versions of one, two, and three. Mm -hmm. um, every single book that you buy, whether it's digital or print, comes with the digital soundtrack printed inside the book. But you can also get physical CDs and there's all extra shit you can do with that, too. So there's lots of options. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you even taken even the time in your tears to incorporate some of your past works. You even added Shattered Visions in there. You've added uh, Okamist Dark History in there as well. So like it, it, it you've, you've got a full mantra, a pretty big plate that you add as a, a part of your projects just as a whole. Like as far as like how you've been able to um, craft a lot of these comics and you've been had the ability to work on multiple projects at once. How is it even like feasible to even think that way without incorporating a piece of your work that you're already working on into something else that you're working on at the same time? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I you know, I can think about that too. How do you not, you know, cross pollinate, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like basically have, one type of vibe or one type of interesting like thing that you're doing kind of bleed into the next thing and i would say it's really about stopping yourself like okay this weekend i'm writing shattered visions only so mm -hmm. that allows me to get in the mental space necessary to think about cyberpunk and think about the essence of the character and you know there's lots of discussions that go around too like okay what would, would fox do what would you know shatter do what would you know you know uh kale or the hunters do in okamas like what would these characters do um, but yeah, I typically don't write, um, two different scripts for two different stories in the same day, because again, it's too much of a emotional and mental shift. Like I have to really be able to dive and focus in on one book at a time. That really helps because now, then I'm like, okay, I'm feeling like I'm seeing something for shatter today, or I'm seeing something for joystick today. Like again, trusting that inspired creativity to kind of guide you, you know what I'm saying? And because when, if you're doing that, you're not letting, you know, book sales or money guide how you do shit. You're literally letting creativity guide you. It's leading the way and you're mm -hmm. following your own personal creative, you know, creativity. It's really kind of dope. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. I, I trust that a hundred percent because I, I believe in your ability. You know what I mean? So like also in the same effect, you releasing this Kickstarter with the next two issues, the option of putting that out. And did you, did you want to pinpoint it to the pack, the fact that you wanted to write this a little bit faster to get these issues out a little bit quicker uh, to, to pretty much push the project forward that much, uh, that more expedited. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it was more along the lines of just like, we drop it in 2021 and everybody's just like, when's issue two coming out? I mean, like they read it within the same week and already wanted yeah, like day like, one but, but see the, the thing is is joystick angel was such like a um again we just caught lightning in a bottle that's really what it was like there was no real plan to make joystick angels you know it just literally we just got struck by this lightning bolt and said hey this is something we got to do and we just like, like pushed forward on it we didn't even know how people were going to react so Literally, we're thinking, oh, hey, we drop number one and we'll, we're going to get to two slowly and just kind of build organically. But mm -hmm. because there was such a um, uh, an interest in what was going to happen next, especially after that cliffhanger we had, 
We're yeah. like, oh shit, we got to get to work. So we quickly wrote two and three, but it took two years to get both of them done because mm. our artist, um, Nats, you know, just a lot like life stuff, man. He got yeah. COVID a couple of times. His wife got sick. You know, my man's got kids. You know, he, you know, he still works a day job, but he's like, he works a day job, but he also is an exclusive Ray Comics artist. So he does basically all the work for us. Mm. But um, it's just crazy because when life shit happens, man, there's nothing you can do except be patient, you know? True. Um, during Okamist, just to give people an idea, like, so we did Okamist Arc History. That's a hundred page graphic novel. Sean Damian Hill, who's worked for DC and Marvel now, did all the art. It took us four years to finish that book. Four years of, you know, sh you know, sh Sean had a relative that passed away during that time. Sean's son was born during that time. Hmm. His wife caught COVID. Like, the economy was weird. I'm just saying, like, the ebbs and flows of life. And that's why it's, like, so many times what the industry standard is, is to, like, create three or four comic books behind the scenes. So when you drop number one, you can easily drop number two super fast because you already have it, you know, in the pipeline. Oh. And then number three, so on and so forth. So that's the only time I didn't necessarily follow that model with um, Joystick Angels. But every other book post Joystick Angels, which is Open and Stark History and Shattered Visions, are built within a three um, comic book structure. So it's like we were thinking, OK, we'll do three issues of Shattered Visions. And me and Newton are just like, why don't we just make it a graphic novel? It's already over 100 pages. Let's yeah. just do that. So we built the three issues first, had them all drawn, done, colored, and then the book is basically ready to to go out. You know what I'm saying? So then you give more people, you give people more, um, more up front. You know what I mean? They just have a bigger chunk, a bigger piece to to like to to chew on. And then they're always kind of be like, okay, well, I can only get Oakland and Stark history right now, so I'll come back and get Shattered Visions either the next con or next year. So. It also kind of gives it uh, a little bit of opportunity to space things out. Um, and I like the graphic novel format because it's actually more cost effective. It's easier to store. And again, it's I think true. it's better just for the fans. Yeah, I'm about to say, because when you go to a Comic-Con, if somebody has a trade as opposed to a single issue, more than likely they're going to snatch up your trade. You know what I'm saying? You got about like a good... Uh, I'm going to say 50 to 80 pages within, depending on how many issues you threw in that volume. And, mm -hmm. and, and the thing is, it's almost like name your price. Which is, which yeah, is I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, Harriet Tubman Demon Slayer is a 200 and plus size graphic novel at $60. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, it's yeah. worth every single I know, I, I have it. <laughs> <laughs> and no one bats an eyelash and pay those 60 bucks oh okay yeah let me get that <laughs> so, and, and, and um, the thing is even also again you'd be like okay i'm putting the volume out and that's gonna be 60 bucks by the way i have a hardcover coming out of 80 like what <laughs> snatched up snatched up easy so i just think it's um when you're really developed you know putting out quality you're putting out something really cool and and you're enjoying the process you're always going to have people that are like, yeah, let me, let me get whatever you got. And, um, but I do think that the trade format is just, is just really, really dope because you just get to put more in it. And I feel like, you know, once I'm working on distribution deals and a few other things. So once that gets into place, then I will probably go back to doing single issues and split certain books up. But for the moment, when you're getting direct to market, it's easier to do trades. And again, um, 
my goal is to drop a trade like every year for y'all, man. Every, you know, like I, I think I got two trades lined up for next year, some hot shit for y'all. Like I got some real fire stuff, like can't wait, man. But you know, it's the patience factor. We're just waiting. We're buying our time. We're making sure it's done right. You know? But yeah. Cause I'm about to say, I showed you all my single issues of Okamis. So that could be a trade all its own. <laughs> you yep. know what I mean? <laughs> that is now. It, as as far as like the the projects that you've been able to do and uh where exactly you see them going forth and how you see your future how ray comics has been able to build themselves there's been multiple projects that you've been able to put yourself attached to and where it's going probably like that you see yourself in the next five years now you talked about the the possibly the acquisition of distribution deals and everything like that but is there more projects down the pipeline? Is there additions to some of the projects that you already have currently going on? Is there more collaborations that we're not, that we're pretty much going to see what's next? It's a great question, man. Yeah. So in the future, people are absolutely going to be able to see um, kind of a lot of stuff. Again, we're working on the script for shattered vision volume two. Me and Newton are doing that right now. Um, I'm working on another collaborative comic book series with another really amazing writer about an African historical figure that's kind of mixed between like magic sci-fi, you know, it's like magic fantasy, you know what I'm saying? Like kind of like on some Lord of the Rings type shit. Like a so little bit of mythology. Right now, yeah. yeah, a little mythology in there. Um, we're also working on um, the uh, spinoff series because Oakmas is going to have a spinoff series. It's going to have two spinoff series. Ooh, that One cool. back to back. Yep. Yeah. Because so... <laughs> Just to kind of give people an idea, like one of the main characters um, who starts out as a villain, Tasina becomes a hero eventually and gets her own series. That's going to be a six issue mini series, which we're close to completing that entire arc behind the scenes before anything is, you know, anything is printed. So we're going to have heat to just drop to y'all for the next, you know, however long. Right. Um, so there's that. But then she there's a spinoff series that goes off of that. And then, you know, there's also I'm working on a magic story right now, like a magical fantasy kind of like dragon ball meets harry potter type shit so i got a couple like really just bangers just that are absolutely unique like for me my biggest thing isn't rushing to the table with a ton of ip and just stuff that looks like you know a, a, a different variation of batman or robin or whoever like my thing is is that taking your time and really making stuff that has never been done something that you're not going to see in mm -hmm. any other place something that literally kind of puts you into this different spectrum of thought and creativity and like really inspires people like, yo, I, I wish I fucking thought of that. I wish I did that. Or, oh man. So for me, like my, my goal isn't to be like an image comics, but to, like to be like a black Marvel, you know what I mean? So yeah, Mar Marvel had all of their ideas were in house, whether it was created by Steve Ditko or, you know, fucking, um, uh, um, Jack Kirby, or yeah. John Romita, whoever made what, it was all owned by Marvel and it was in-house. Now, so my thing is, is that there's tons of ideas in here that I really want to take my time and, you know, just season them, marinate them right. You know what I'm saying? Again, we, I'm from the Midwest. You know, we do barbecue. We do uh, uh, fish fries. We do <laughs> we do all kinds of just like, you know, good, great chicken, all kinds of good stuff. So cooking is such part of the culture. So we're in the cook the, 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 the kitchen cooking the chef is cooking for y'all man like we are making these really really flavorful stories that are going to last the test of time and that's really what it's about yeah look man you're telling on yourself michigan man you know like yep. 
<laughs> now, now, just like basically like um, now you talk about basically how you've been able to store a lot of lot of the ideas for Ray comics in your head. Have has there any been has there been any active collaboration to where you wanted to take somebody in and be like, I want you to be a part of this, too? Yeah, I mean, right now, man, what really inspires me is um, some of the newer creators that are doing cool stuff. I mean, I got uh, two dudes that I'm working with, um, Brother Jeffrey Collins, who has a really, really dope kind of like Dragon Ball, like, um, like how, how do I, I don't even know how to like sum up his story because his art is so fire. It's, some, it's like some shit I'd never seen before. Mm. But Jeffrey Collins is one of my students and he's making this kind of like, very very interesting world of like magic and card games and but it's like done through like a manga anime inspired lens it's really really different like he's one of them cats that just thinks differently uh -huh. and another one of my students cullen carson who's um he's a brother out of um uh, the baltimore area and cullen okay. is incredibly cool guy down to earth but he also has a very very unique brain for creativity so when we linked, it was literally just like I was his mentor. I was literally just like, you know, training him a little bit. And then he's been like building his universe of characters little by little. He's got he's got his own webtoon right now. So I'm really inspired by these dudes because they're such hustlers and they're, they're really trying to do different shit. I just think it's so easy, especially in comics, to like find a trope, find a specific look have a gimmick and, and and ride that wave until you get whatever success you get. Because the thing is, it's like the easy views, like, you know, on, on Instagram, like the, the easy followers, the easy views on TikTok, whatever, it's like taking your clothes off. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's easy, you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? To get a hundred K if you a baddie and take your clothes off. Man or woman, if I mean, if that's your thing, what, you know, whoever, whoever's this. I'm just saying like, it goes both ways, you know, where if you are, just kind of making stuff that you know people are going to like because it's low-hanging fruit, it does have that immediate gratification, but you're not getting that long-lasting feeling, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? So I'm really inspired by these, these newer dudes because these newer casts that are creating because they're like, hey, I want to make something different that I'm not seeing because there's so much Black comic books right now. How do I differentiate myself exactly. from all these things? So that's the shit that's got me on fire. Like, yo, these dudes, they, they got something popping like, like we gotta do some shit now because yeah. i'm fired up by what y'all got going on now, now you've never been one to shy away from the way that you've created the artwork inside your comics the way that you picked the artwork that you put in them and the artists that you've chosen the creative team for yeah. joystick angels whether it's been the covers of the inside has been immaculate the color has been just popping off of the pages please if you would just shout out the creative team for me real quick yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm, it's a blessing, man. It's an honor to work with them and, and they trust my vision and my guidance. And that, that means the world to me, man. Like, I can't, I can't even say it's not even arrogance or ego. It's like just gratitude. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Nats Shun Ledesma, um, who is our interior artist, who's going to be the legacy Joystick Angels artist. Like, I'm not hiring anybody else to do that book. He's already like, done four issues. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, you know, just, his his artwork is he's got such a perfect style for joystick because he, he renders organic figures just as well as he does mechanical figures so it makes sense for somebody to draw who can draw ships and you know robots and all kinds of guns and you know this you know mechanical stuff so 
him. And then we've got Loris Ravina, a guy out of Italy who does some of the most beautiful colors you're ever going to see. Um, real subtle, kind of like just soft, beautiful colors. He also is the colorist on um, Shattered Visions. Okay. So he's, um, again, a, a Ray Comics, you know, um, you know what I'm saying, uh, you know, regular. Um, what is it called? We've got um, Deron Bennett, you know, Black-owned lettering company. And Deron Bennett Art. is the GOAT. I fucking love Deron, man. His whole squad is like, and he's he's been nominated for Eisner a whole bunch of times. Like, he's... Yeah. Yeah, he's he's that dude, man. And Duran's cool as fuck. Lives in Jersey with his wife, and you know, just just calmly just puts out some of the best comics out there. You know, calmly just on some light shit. Hey. Um, <laughs> and um, we've got uh, Dr. Shamika Mitchell, our editor in chief, mm. who is a a doctor um, at a college in Manhattan. You know, what I'm saying English and you know grammar structure. She's absolutely brilliant and really puts a lot of helps me figure out my my chair, terrible chicken scratch and bad writing you know <laughs> help me figure all that shit out so uh shout out to to shamika uh, mitchell and um, of course uh, my brother jay spencer sterling who co-writes a lot of the material with me for joystick angels and also composes the music you know what i'm saying we have various cover artists between the song brothers and kane and white and um you know uh, what is it called um who else do we got we got will and the nomo um, we've got, um, Netho Diaz, which is signed a deal with Marvel. We've got a whole bunch of people that have done some cool covers, man. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just fun. We're just having a good time and we just, we just want the, the train to keep moving. You know, we don't want to get off. Bird, and, and you got, you got 20 days left and I know that pretty much literally after these 20 days, you'll be in the middle of September, but then you'll be preparing. I'm pretty much sure for New York comic con coming up with that next month. So like, as far as the con space, How's that been pretty much since after COVID with the with the release of a lot of a lot of these uh these projects that you've been able to do after the fact? Like the, the, first off, the fact that you had the ability to link up with a lot of people that you hadn't seen in a while had to be also extra on that end. But the fact that you've had a lot of projects that you were able to put out there to the public had to be just as just as gratifying. Yeah, man, I, I missed everybody after COVID, bro. I missed the whole the whole team, everybody in Black Comics, everybody who who does their thing and shows up to cons. I love them, man. And it's just good seeing folks in person. And but you know, conning is difficult, man. It's hard, hard work. Um, it's it a is. lot of you know energy. And again, like I literally, you know, touched down from LA to Atlanta today, ran to the convention center in downtown Atlanta, set up my booth, and then shot back to my Airbnb to be on this podcast with my boy James Boyce aka Grandmaster Facts you know what I'm saying so it's just it's a grind man and um but yeah I think for me it's like every time I come to a convention I want to have something new well it's I'm sorry every year I want to have something new so like if you didn't catch me at like New York Comic Con you'd be able to catch me in Baltimore catch me there and get whatever else you missed so um but yeah man I, I love conning I just uh, I think in the future um, I'll probably be doing more online stuff. I'll be building the business that way a little bit more yeah. and just sitting at home and doing stuff, you know? I think I talked to talk with somebody recently that like uh, because of the act of Webtoons being available, global comics, comiXology for what it still is and everything like that, the act of digital comics has provided an outlet for people that doesn't that that doesn't have the ability to be a collector and have uh have the option of basically harnessing a lot of their reading material on their phone. I was saying to somebody, I was like, um, the fact that one day you could probably go to a con 
and somebody will literally have a QR code after you purchase the comic and literally just download the whole comic there. There, you just pay for my comic. There, it's on your phone. Feel free. Go ahead. Read. You know, yeah, yeah. That's going to happen one day. Like, this dude's not going to have any comic books on his on his table. There's going to be nothing behind him. No boxes. He has no physical manifestations whatsoever. But he's literally going to have a yeah. QR code on his phone with his comic available to, to you. All you got to do is pretty much uh, swipe your square or whatever PayPal you got going on and everything like that. And they're going to have that for you. I feel like that evolution is going to happen. Not not sooner. It's probably going to be later on down the line. But it's it's crazy now what you can do with the with with your comics, like what however you want to distribute them. Yeah, it's real, man. It's definitely an interesting environment or just like, again, whether the, the advent of the AI shit and, you know, just having more people trying to do unique stuff. I think um, it, it's just, it's just, it's anybody's game at this point. Anything could happen. Anything could literally be coming up um, around the corner. You just never know. I mean, shoot, like I said, I mean, I, I loved what Marvel did many years ago with uh, Marvel a, um, AR, which is their augmented reality application. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You, you you know, literally load it up on your phone, download it from the app store, and then, you know, whatever comic book you're reading, if there's an AR tag on it, you know that you can pull out your phone and see the AR, the augmented reality pieces come to life on your phone. Now, yeah. I don't know if they do that or if they're continuing to do it now, because I know it was something that was a relatively costly endeavor for them. Mm-hmm. But um, I know when it came out, I thought that shit was lit. I was like, bro, this shit is cool as fuck. I like different stuff like this. Bro. I, I like interactive comic books. I like stuff that you can feel, you know? Yeah. And the thing is, uh, I think uh, more recently, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if they do the augmented reality anymore, but through Marvel Unlimited, you're pretty much, it's not page flipping anymore. It's panel by panel and exactly how it's, con- it's constructed. So it's like, you're looking, if it's a landscape panel, you're going to see it that way. If it's a couple uh, portraits, you're going to see exactly like basically like it's not a page turner like it used to be. You're almost seeing panel yeah. for panel how the story basically is molded together, which is actually pretty cool. So the the act of digital comics is nuts right now. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, you've got a lot of uh, great creators like um, Kari Randolph and Scott Snyder doing some amazing stuff on Substack, which Substack. is, again, a completely digital thing. Um, obviously comiXology is still doing this thing. So yeah, man, you know, there's, there's so many avenues that I think are just, you know, going to continue to just move the medium forward. So it's just going to be fun, man. I'm just excited to see what, what it does. And, but you know, obviously everybody who's watching all starts with supporting your independent comic book creators like myself. Word. So, um, <laughs> jump on that Kickstarter, man, you know, smash that, that link, check it out. It's www joystickangels.com takes you right to Kickstarter. If you got an, got an account, you're already going to be logged in. But if you don't, you create one and you can literally pledge to the campaign for any one of the digital issues, any one of the single issues, whether it's one, two, or three. We got t-shirts. We got all the back stock of everything printed and created by Joyce, um, by um, uh, Ray Comics. So yeah, jump on the Kickstarter, check it out, support us. We got 20 more days left. I don't know how many days we're going to have left when y'all see this video, but it's still going to be it's still gonna be a alive. lot of time. time. Yeah. Right. But bro, <laughs> it's always good to have you. Uh, once again, Joystick Angels is now live on Kickstarter. You can not only just get those first three issues, you can also get the soundtracks to each one. You can get uh, Okamist, Dark Okamist, and uh, Shattered Visions, which is also tiered on his platform on Kickstarter right now. So 
kudos to you, brother, for doing the projects that you have. I'm pretty sure we're going to be talking once again once that next project hits. It's probably going to be you and Newton, me, you and Newton, locked in a cage, trying to talk this out about Shattered Visions, man. And I appreciate you always. I know Atlanta Comic Con is probably calling your name and you're about to basically like sell sell everything in your stock. So do your thing, brother. Absolutely. Thank you, man. Yeah, it's an honor to always be on the show. I love uh, just chopping up with you. Definitely a real one. And like I said, uh, the, the Fact Project brings you some of the best like comic content out there. Like this, the shit is is ill. So please follow his podcast if you're not already doing it. You, you are if you're watching the show. But if you aren't, smash the subscribe button for the Fact Project. Follow him, man. Watch his older ones, too. His older videos are fire. Yeah, um, a couple of them got him on. Creators pull up. Bird. Yeah. And then you. The man's not lying. So from James Grandmaster Facts Boys, TJ Sterling, shout out to Jay Spencer Sterling out there in out there in the void, man. He's out there still creating, doing his damn thing. So for the Riding. fact project, we are out.